Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Join with me, if you will, in the book of Philippians today. Turn to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to start a series of, of, of services on the book of uh, Philippians. And uh, I want to look at the joy that's found in this book of the Bible. The word of joy, rejoicing, or gladness are found 19 times in this small little book. When you open this little book, it's like opening uh, a, your windows on a spring day when all the wind is just blowing in and, and it just fills your house with just the wonderful uh, scents of flowers out in the, out in the yard and, and the, the cool breeze coming into your house. It, it's a, uh, like a, a gust of fresh air coming in and, and uh, having this uh, beautiful sense of roses in your home when you open your windows. Uh, this little book pulsates and radiates joy. And so it's uh, when we look at joy in Scripture and the, the fact that we're going to, to study uh, this uh, little book about joy, it's not just ordinary joy. Now, a lot of people have a misunderstanding about joy. They think joy is, is always going around with a, a giddy expression on your face and a, you know, a, a, a weird smile on your face when bad things are happening, all that kind of thing. No, joy is, is different. Uh, it is, it's, especially the joy that is found in this scripture is a superordinary joy. It is the joy that comes with knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's a joy uh, uh, of Jesus in this book. It's not only about joy, it's about Jesus Christ. It's about, as every book in the Bible is about Jesus Christ, it is a joy about understanding and knowing Jesus. Twenty times Paul uses the name Jesus, and there uh, is joy in Jesus. There's joy uh, uh, of Jesus. There is joy with Jesus. Uh, so this book is about joy. It is about the joy of knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. A real joy, a true joy, a joy that comes only from Him. And apart from Jesus Christ, there's no true joy. It, it, the joy that is found in the world. Now, there's a lot of people that are happy. They might, you might have some people uh, that uh, have so much money they don't know what to do with it uh, and say, you know, well, I'm happy. I, I have real joy in my life. It comes from having all this stuff. It comes from having all these possessions. That's not a true joy. That's not a joy that comes... Uh, from the everlasting Father, it is not a joy that is it, that it over uh, is able to surmount any problem that comes into our life. The joy of Jesus is a personal joy, a powerful joy. It's a permanent joy. Jesus said in John chapter fifteen, verse eleven, "These things I have spoken to you that you may that your joy may be uh, in you, and that your joy may be made full." There we see. Uh, that this is 
my joy. It is my joy, a personal joy, a joy that remains with me as a part of my relationship with Jesus Christ. It is a joy that can be full. It is a permanent joy that comes only with Christ. If the Christian life is anything at all, it is to be a life of joy that is radiant and resplendent, a joy that is persistent, a joy that is permanent, a joy that is uh, a part of our life of having uh, Jesus Christ as our Savior, of having God as our Father, of having the Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit as our constant companion, of having the Bible as our guide and as a light into our path and a guide into our way. It is understanding and knowing that we have uh, heaven as our home, that we have uh, our soul filled with joy because of our relationship with Christ. And it's significant that we have this book of the Bible speaking about joy when it comes to the church at Philippi, this letter to the Philippians. Uh, I want you to understand that, uh, that Paul is writing this letter to the church there at Philippi because they were experiencing problems. Uh, this very infrequent that Paul would write a letter about uh, uh, to a, a body of believers without there being some kind of issue, an underlying problem that they were having. And this church had discord amongst themselves. They were uh, uh, upset with one another. And we've often uh, seen uh, in Scripture that that when we talk about our relationship to Christ and our relationship with one another, we, we talk about it being like a marriage relationship. And this church at Philippi was having difficulty with one another. And when you, when you have discord in the home, when you have uh, uh, problems with a family member, particularly your spouse, uh, it's hard to have anything else go right in the home until you deal with that discord. And Paul was seeking to, to speak to the people at the church at Philippi about this, this conflict that they were having with one another so that they might resolve that conflict and so that they might get along with one another and so that they might have a harmonious body of believers coming together in Christ so that they might be able to do the work of God. They might be able to do the things that God is calling them to do. One of the things that, that I do as a pastor whenever there, I have a church family that, that is going through problems and they ask me to come and to help them through their, their marital situation, one of the things that I often uh, start off with, one of the very first things that, that I do is I ask them, I say, how would y'all come together? If y'all are having such a difficult time right now and you're having so much difficulty and strife that you're at odds with one another and you're coming up, a, a button up against one another and you're to the point where you feel like you might have to separate, tell me what is it that drew you together in the first place? And it's with the hope of understanding what brought them together that I can help them to remember the, the joy and the happiness, the, the love that brought them together to begin with is still there. And to allow that love and that joy, that happiness to permeate in their life once again. And that's what Paul's doing here in the, uh, uh, with this body of believers is to help them to remember the relationship they have with Jesus Christ. 
is what draws them together as a body of believers, that drew them together as a church body. And it's that love of Jesus Christ, that joy that comes with knowing Jesus Christ that ought to unite us and bring us together. And so Paul's desire is to help them to understand and know that that love, that joy that comes with having a relationship with Jesus Christ can bring them back together once again. And also he has to come and to speak to them about the persecution that is to come. Paul understands and knows that there's difficulty on the horizon. There's struggles that they're going to face. And he wants to prepare them. He wants to... uh, You see, when we as a body of believers are at odds with one another, we can not only serve God and do what God has called us to do, but if we don't have harmony and if we don't have unity and if we don't have a true joy that comes with knowing Jesus Christ, we can't weather the storm that's on the horizon either. So Paul is, is speaking to them about that true joy that they found in Jesus Christ to help them to come together to be strong and to be able to hold one another up when those troubles come. Uh, and one of the reasons why I chose to do this, past, uh, this series on the book of Philippians is, is that we're experiencing a time in our history, in our, in our world, where we really need to come together as a body of believers. We need to come together as Christians, not just simply in this church, but all believers need to come together and understand the true joy that is found in Jesus Christ, to understand and know the true joy of having Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and to bring us back together once again in that harmony, that unity that we have as believers in Christ so that we can be there for the the masses of people that are throughout this world they're going through hardships because of COVID-19, because of uh, uh, the election cycle that's going on, because of the unrest of, uh, of people that feel as though their, uh, their rights have been infringed. And, and it, you know, I was reading through some historical things that happened. Uh, you know, there's two ways of looking at history. There's a history that happened a long time ago, like history back in the 1800s or 1700s. And I always enjoy reading that history. Uh, but there's also history that is history of like five, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, and to remind us of some of the things that we went through then. And 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 one of the things that we tend to do is, is that we fail to see what's going on in our life as something that happens on a regular basis. It seems like uh, the uh, the unrest, the uh, the difficulties that we have is nothing new. We tend to feel like we're experiencing things for the very first time. You've got some people that wear these masks and they're going around and they're thinking, well, we've never had anything like this before in our life. Well, yes, we have. We've had pandemics that have uh, spread throughout the world many, many, many times before, claimed many more lives than what we've experienced now. And listen... I'm not making light of any of the people that have passed away as a result of this. But uh, you, you look into history and, and, and you don't have to look very far to see how uh, uh, the, the population of the world dramatically was reduced with, with plagues, with, with uh, 
uh, epidemics, with with disease that have happened throughout history. We're really uh, we're really going through a time that's not as bad as it as it once was. But if we look at our history and look at how we dealt with those things as a society and as a world before, we can realize that yes, we've been through this before, and yes, we can come through it once again, and that we have the hope and understanding that we can uh, persevere, that we can move on. So I want us to uh, to look at this book of Philippians and to help us to come together in the unity of joy with Christ and understanding uh, the joy that is truly within our hearts to bring us together as a people of God, to help us to be a witness to those who are without Christ, to help us to remind each other of the true joy that comes with knowing Christ in our life and and to help people through the difficulties in our life. So let's look at uh, uh, Philippians chapter 1. The first two verses are the typical type of salutation that Paul uh, uh, uses when he writes. It's the type of salutation that was done. And, uh, but despite of that fact, you never overlook any Scripture at all, no matter what they're doing. No matter what Scripture is about, you know, there's parts of, uh, of when Paul is, is basically saying, hey, this is, this is me, Paul. I'm writing with my own hand. See how big it is, uh, the writing is? And even in that, there's a lesson to be learned. So never uh, just skim over a passage of Scripture because you don't think it has a whole lot to, to be said. It says, look, in verse 1 it says, Paul and Timothy, uh, servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints uh, in Jesus which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel for the, from the first day until now being confident of this very thing that he which uh, hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So that's the scripture that we're going to look at and uh, we need to to look at the joy of being uh, uh, the joy of that we have as being a body of believers. And so Paul says here uh, in the very first verse, he says, uh, Paul and Timothy, the servants, and in some of your translations, it may say the slaves of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, where it's at Philippi and the bishops and the deacons. Look at that first little bit of, of Scripture there, Paul and Timothy. Why, uh, Paul is the primary writer, and Timothy is more of a uh, his, his helper. He's... You know, some might say his manservant, his his uh, valet, or whatever. And so, yet, Paul includes Timothy in the salutation. Why does Paul do that? Paul is is helping them to understand that all of us have importance in Jesus Christ. That all of us are are essential, and all of us uh, before Jesus Christ are the same. He says, uh, "It's Paul and Timothy." the servants, the slaves of Jesus Christ. He says, look, despite of where you fall in your socioeconomic stratus, if you're somebody who's out there uh, cleaning out 
horse stalls or if you and you, we all know the dirty job that that is or if you're somebody who is the CEO of a Fortune 500 uh, business that is at the top 100 of the index uh, it doesn't matter uh, whether where you fall along that spectrum or if you're uh, a king a noble a leader whoever you might be we're all servants of Jesus Christ. We're all the slaves, the bond slaves of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, that word servant there is, is a milder version of the word that really means a bond slave. And what is a bond slave? It's someone who has indentured themselves to another who has paid an indebtedment that they cannot pay. How more appropriate is that word than, than just simply a servant? When, when, when you think about finance and you think about, uh, about credit and, and you think about uh, purchasing and doing things, uh, uh, relatively uh, recent is the history of the little plastic things we carry around in our wallets that, that is essential today that is the credit card. Um, we tend to use the credit card on such a daily basis and so frequently that we forget about how it started. And we think it's something that's more modern. But in reality, they tell us that credit extends back uh, into the Roman era and be before. In fact, uh, what he's talking about here is with this word is, is that uh, it was very common if you couldn't support your family and you had a debt that you incurred because of living expense of trying to just simply live, that the remedy was is that you were indentured to an individual and they it could take the form of several different formats. You could either owe someone and at a certain time you were required to come and to make recompense for your debt. They would say you have a year to fulfill your debt or you have a couple of months or you have six months or you have six years, whatever it might be. They could also say to you, well, you've been through a period of time and you've not paid your debt, so now you must uh, work out that debt. <clears throat> And you would come and you would uh, indenture yourself into their home. You would become their servant or slave. And you would live in captivity to that individual until your debt was paid. Uh, sometimes it was uh, common even for people to sell their children, their family into uh, into. Uh, uh, a, a prison and they would go and, and sit in, the, in prison until you paid your debt. Well, uh, how quickly do you think that you're going to pay your debt when your family members or yourself is in a, in a prison because you owe a debt? Well, I, I would think you would want to get pay your your debt off to that individual rather quickly to get your, your family member, your child, uh, or yourself out of prison. But some, if you're the only one and you get thrown into prison, how can you pay off your debt if you're in jail? Um, so a lot of times you would be indentured to that individual. Paul here uses that word for this indenturement because he says we owe a debt to Jesus Christ. He paid a price that we couldn't pay. He paid the price of uh, our sin on the cross of Calvary and we still owe Him. We owe Him and we're, there's no way that we can pay, repay Him that 
debt that He paid for us. And so therefore, we need to consider ourselves indebted to Jesus Christ. That's a key part of what Paul is saying here because it, it, it sets up everything else. He says, we're indebted, we're servants of Jesus Christ. It, 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 for many people, they say, well, that, that's just how Paul saw himself, but I feel like it, it builds on everything else. To all the saints in Jesus Christ, which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul says... Uh, the standard salutation of greetings to these individuals and he's helping them to realize and understand that they're all in this as servants to Jesus Christ. We're all a part of this. Uh, we've all had this debt paid by Jesus Christ and we're all in the same group. We all fall under that, but we also fall into that category of, of servant that is... Now, there were... People that certainly mistreated their servants. Paul is saying that Jesus Christ, that God is not that kind of, of uh, debtor uh, that we owe our debt to. He's saying instead we're the kind of, of uh, a creditor that has uh, given us a great blessing, a great uh, he's paid the debt that we cannot pay, but He is the type that cares for us and loves us. And He says, grace and peace to you. Uh, why is He able to extend grace and peace to them? Because of Jesus Christ, because God the Father has extended that grace to us. He says in verse 3, I thank God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy. Now, this is the first mention of joy in, in the book of, of Philippians. And he says, I'm thanking God for the fact that you are the people that you are. I thank God. And every time I remember, uh, every time I think of this church, he says, I think of, of the joy that comes into my life because I remembered you and I praise God for all the things that you're doing. This is a way that Paul is trying to help them to understand that when they're together in God, when they're together in the joy of Jesus Christ, when they're together in the uh, proper fellowship, they're able to accomplish great things and mighty things for God. That they, that he says, I... I thank God for you every time I think of you. Uh, every time I pray, I uh, request joy for your life, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. He says, I thank God for the fellowship because this fellowship has brought you together and has made you better individuals. I praise God for you every time I remember you because I think of all the things that God has accomplished through you and through this church. Well, anytime that you're having conflict with the brother, it's, it's important to remember the great 
accomplishments that you've been able to, to do together. To think of all the wonderful things that you've been able to accomplish. To think of all the wonderful things that you've been able to come together and to do. And that's what Paul is setting up in their mind. He's saying, I don't want to think about the conflict that you're having right now. He's not even mentioned it. He's, what he's doing is, is he's helping them to remember the good times, the good days. It'd be like in your marriage coming to you and say, hey, you remember that time that, uh, that uh, you bought your first home and the, the happiness and the, and the enjoyment that you had moving into your first home together as a young couple? Or perhaps talking about the, the adversity that you overcome in having a child and, and the wonderful time. You don't think about uh, all the, the diapers and all the sleepless nights and all the hardships of, of all the things. You think about all the wonderful times when you had your child of, of all the, the happy times at birthdays and the wonderful times at Christmases and all the fun that you had on vacation and all the, the wonderful experiences that you had together as a family. Those are the successful times. Those are the times that are important to remember because why? Because it makes you remember the the good times, the happiness. Paul says you need as a church to remember the the accomplishments that you made, the times that you were able to raise funds to help people in missions. And he specifically mentions that a little while uh, in the Scripture. He, He talks about how generous they are and how how wonderful it was that they came together and gave out of their uh, the little meager th- uh, amount that they had. They were able to bless someone with a great offering. You talk you talk about the times in which you went out and and you uh, witnessed to people in the community. The times in which you were able to meet people's needs. The times that you were able to have wonderful fellowship in coming together. Paul's saying you need to remember those wonderful times. He says I remember the great joy that came that comes to mind every time I think of you because of all the wonderful things that you've done. The fellowship and the gospel from the very first day of your coming together as a church until the present. He said, in spite of your problems, in spite of the difficulties, you've had wonderful fellowship. You've had wonderful community. You've come together. You've accomplished many things. And it's because of the presence of Jesus Christ. It's because of that relationship that you had with Jesus Christ. He said, and he wraps it all, he, he's setting them all up for verse 6. He says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he that has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's saying... Now look, you've got all these problems in your life. And this, this uh, uh, relates to us personally, not just, not just to us as a church, but as an as individual Christian, we need to remember these things. Remember all the, the wonderful things that God has accomplished in your life. He says, but I'm confident of this one thing, no matter how difficult your life is, no matter how difficult the struggle you're having in your relationship and your family, no matter how difficult the relationship you might be having within your church, he says, I'm confident of this thing. 
He says, first of all, I'm confident there is one who is over all. That's God. He says, I'm confident in, in God and how He is working and moving in our life. And He says, I'm confident in the fact that not only that there is God, but that God is working and moving in our life. That God is working and moving in everything that we do. You see, so many people that have lost hope, so many people that have lost encouragement, so many people that have lost uh, the desire and will to go on uh, feel as though that there is no hope, there's no uh, uh, opportunity for great joy. Why? Because they don't believe in an eternal God. They don't believe that God is in control of everything. They feel like that the only thing that there is is all uh, is what we have now and we can't possibly get out of it. So we must uh, uh, be doomed because there's, if they don't believe that we can get out of it, they certainly don't believe that there's one who is greater than all uh, that, that is in the world who is able to bring us through. But Paul says, look, you are a body of believers who believe in Jesus Christ, who believe in eternal God. And he says, you need to remember there is a God who is above all things and He is able to work through, uh, help you through. We need to remember in our lives, no matter how bleak, no matter how difficult it seems, no matter how we feel as though that there are problems in our, in our life, we need to remember that there is one who is greater than us that is working in our life. And he says, not only do you need to know that there is one who is greater than all your problems, who is greater than all of your adversities, who is greater than all of your problems in your life, you need to also understand, secondly, that He is, he is working in your life. He says, He started the good thing that is happening in your life. This good thing that you're looking back on, this good thing that you're reminiscing about, this good thing that you remember so long ago uh, filling your life with joy, you need to remember that that comes from God. That comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. It comes from that relationship of knowing that God loves you and has cared for you and is working in your life. You need to remember that he that be- he is the one who began that good work. Amen, brother. And thirdly, you need to remember that he is still working in you. No matter how difficult your life is, no matter how uh, great your problem is, he says, "Look, that he that began a good work in you will continue to perform it." until the day of Jesus Christ. You need to realize that no matter how problematic your life is, no matter how difficult the circumstances, no matter how uh, difficult you're struggling in your life, that Jesus Christ, uh, uh, your relationship with Him is what brought you into a relationship with God. He's the one who began the good work in your life and He is still working in your life. That No matter how problematic, no matter how difficult the struggle is, no matter how much doom that you feel that you have in your life, you need to understand that God is still working in you. That He will never give up on you. That He will never abandon you. That He will never leave you behind. You see, that's the problem that so many people have. They forget the fact that God is with them. God is with them through the the good times. God is there and He's the one that blesses us, that gave us the great joy that we have in our life. But we need to remember that the great joy is still there and present in our life because God never leaves us. That through our most difficult times, through our most uh, 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 trying and, and, and tumultuous times in our life, that God is there with us, working with us, moving us through that time. And that He will never leave us. 
So what is the day of Jesus Christ that He's talking about? When, when is that day? Uh, that God is going to work with us until the day of Jesus Christ? Well, He's referring to that time at the end in which Jesus Christ is exalted, that time at the end in which uh, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So God is with us. God is helping us. God is moving us through to the very end, to the very end in which we will then be in His care and that nothing will harm us from this day forward. And so we need to remember the great joy that comes with being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to remember the great joy that comes when we come together as a body of believers. That, that we need to remember the great joy that is part of our life when we are enduring the hardships and struggles that He is always with us and He will see us through. When we're going through all the... When we turn on our TV at night and we see all the bad news that the news is willing to, to give us, we need to remember that in spite of all of that that's happening on there, we have one that's greater than all of that. We have in a relationship with Jesus Christ, in a relationship with God, one who is greater than all of those things that we see. And He will see us through to the very end. He began the work that we experienced in our life that created us, created in us a new life. And He will see us through to the very end. And so I want to encourage you today. Maybe you're having conflict and difficulty with someone in your life. Remember that, that God can bring us together through a relationship to Him. Maybe you're having difficulty or problems with somebody in your own family your own relationship with, with the person that you care about the most, you need to remember that, that God's the one that blessed you to have that relationship. That God began that work in your life and God's not going to bring something uh, like a relationship with Him if you truly followed after Him in that relationship. He's not going to bring that relationship to tear you down. He's, he gave you that relationship to build you up and to encourage you to, to give you great joy in your life. And so God wants to be with you in that relationship to carry that relationship on in your life. Maybe you're having struggles and difficulties in your relationship to God. Well, that's the relationship most that you need to be concerned with. and You need to understand that that relationship with Him is always centered in the great joy of knowing that He's the one that paid the price for your sins. He's the one that sacrificed Himself on the cross of Calvary in our place. And God doesn't want to cast us aside. He wants to lift us up. He wants to create in us the joy that comes with truly knowing Him. And so if you're having problems with your relationship with Christ, ask yourself, where, where have I gone wrong? Because it's not God that's gone wrong. Where have I missed the step? Ask God. He'll tell you. He'll bring it to mind. And then ask Him to help you to correct it. Ask Him to correct it in your life, to forgive you and to bring, bring you back into a right relationship with Him, to restore that joy that comes with knowing Him. Well, if we were all to do that in our personal life, then our relationships with our family would be so much better. Our relationships with our church would be so much better. Our relationships with our communities would be so much better. And our relationship with others in the world 
will be so much better. Let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank You so much for the great joy that we have in You. And understanding and knowing that that we come together in that great love with You and that we come together in the great joy that comes with knowing You as our Savior and our Lord. Lord, help us to remember the joy that's found in fellowship with one another. And help us to be united in that joy of, in our relationship to You and, and to be united in creating an opportunity for others to know You as Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that You would help us to be faithful to You, to be faithful in our love to You, and, and be mindful of that relationship with our, our church and our family is built upon the relationship that we have with You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.